a couple years ago when uh, God opened the door for me to transition from being the youth pastor here uh, to being the pastor of family life, I uh, was able to establish a team, uh, a team of, of, uh, of people with uh, Joe Hauser, Justin Miller, Josh Jones, Daniel McManigal, and, and Julie Zilke. And we met together and we thought, we, we want to come up with a mission statement that would reflect uh, why we exist, because that's what a mission statement does, is it says your purpose and why you exist. And, and here's our mission statement. Uh, it says, out of a desire to glorify God, the mission of Fellowship Bible Church Family Life is to prepare and equip family members within their God-given roles to pass their faith to the next generation and to lead their family into a closer relationship with Jesus. And, and so we wanted, you know, to take our... Our, uh, our lead, and we wanted the scriptures to inform us. And so we sat down and, and we looked at Deuteronomy 6, 4 through 9, and Psalm 78, and Galatians 2.20, Philippians 1.21, and, and some of the other New Testament passages that talk about the family. And we, we came up with that, with that mission statement. We said, this is why we exist, and this is how we want to encourage and build up families here at, at Fellowship Bible Church. Um, a little while ago, we, we came up with a, a vision statement. So a, a mission statement is your purpose or why your ministry exists. And a vision statement really is what do you aspire to the future? What, what would you like things to, to look like in the future? And here's, here's the, it's, it's kind of shorter, um, but it, here, here's what it is. Encouraging families to love and live Christ. And so believe it or not, we, <clears throat> we talked about each word. We wanted each, why are we putting that word like that? Uh, in, in this little phrase, and we just, the reason was is because we figured it fit on a pen. No, I'm not, no, no. It's deeper than that. Um, <clears throat> is the word encouraging it really means uh, to put courage into people. And so we want family members, we want husbands and wives, we want children, we want uncles and aunts and grandparents, whatever role you play in the family, to, to, be, to have courage put in you, that God has given me a role in the family. And, and he, in his word, uh, shows us, what am I supposed to do? What, what is he calling me to do in my family and to build my family up? And so we want to put courage into family members, uh, all, all different members of the family, to love. We know what the word of God has to say about love. We know that God is love. And we're told, we know that very clearly we're to love one another. But it, <clears throat> As we talked about this, uh, there was a book that, uh, or a speaker that my team listened to, his name is Vern Bingston, and, and he did a 40-year study of, with 3,500 people uh, and <clears throat> for 40 years, and what he came up with was, the whole purpose of this study was, how is faith transmitted to the next generation? And he found that um, it is through loving and warm, and, and warm parents, where they see love, where the kids see love between the parents. And, and they're on the receiving end of warm and loving and accepting parents. Isn't that amazing? So love makes a difference. And, and so we wanted to see, we wanted to put love in there, encouraging families to love uh, because love uh, is powerful is when, when we love with the love of Christ. Encouraging families to love and live Christ. Live Christ because of Philippians 1.21. For to me, to live is Christ. To die is gain. It, it is all about my relationship with Jesus. And, uh, and so that, I just wanted to take that minute, the, the few minutes here to share with you, um, that's our mission and our vision statement. And <clears throat> the make it easy and make it more likely come out of that. We want to help families um, see their role into the discipleship 
of one another, of, of spouses and, and of, of children, grandparents to grandchildren, uncles to aunts, uh, uncles to aunts, sure, uncles to, to nieces and nephews, but, but uh, we're, we're called to be disciple makers in our families, and, uh, and we want to encourage that. So this morning, I <clears throat> want to talk about that, that marriage matters, marriage matters, and uh, <clears throat> Uh, for the flow, this, this helped me with the flow. If you have the notes in front of you, 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 see, you see C's and P's, and that, that just, it just worked for me. Um, and so um, marriage matters to our Creator. And uh, if you turn to Genesis chapter 2, verses 18 through 24, I'm going to read those. And marriage matters to our Creator. Marriage matters to God. And uh, the reason it matters to God is because marriage is God's plan. Okay, marriage is God's plan. Genesis chapter 2, beginning with verse 18. Then the Lord God said, it is not good for the man to be alone. I will make him a helper suitable for him. Out of the ground, the Lord God formed every beast of the field and every bird of the sky and brought them to the man to see what he would call them. And whatever the man called a living creature, that was its name. The man gave names to all the cattle and to the birds of the sky and to every beast of the field. But for Adam, there was not found a helper suitable for him. So the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall upon the man, and he slept. Then he took one of his ribs and closed up the flesh at that place. The Lord God fashioned into a woman the rib which he had taken from the man and brought her to the man. The man said, this is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. For this reason, a man shall leave his father and his mother and be joined to his wife, and they shall become one flesh." So marriage matters to God because it was God's plan. God created marriage, and God defined marriage. God defined that marriage would be of one man and one woman in a covenant relationship. So God defines marriage. God's plan for marriage was that it would provide partnership, that, it, that they would not be alone. Um, Ephesians 5.31 just says what the verse we just read, that, that he shall leave and cleave that a man should leave his father and his mother and cleave to his wife and that they would become one flesh in a partnership. God created marriage also for pleasure. Um, just read the Song of Solomon. I'm not going to do that this morning. Um, but you can see. Um, God created marriage for parenting. He says in Genesis 1.28, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth. And, and God created marriage, I believe, for, for perfecting, for this idea of progressive sanctification that that. When, when you become a Christian, God's plan for you, we're told, is that he wants to conform us to the image of his son. And, and so uh, marriage helps in that, big time. Uh, and, and so we help our spouses become more and more like Christ as we encourage them and build them up, as we pray together, as we read the scriptures together, as we confront lovingly and, and speak the truth in love. We, we see this perfecting, this becoming more like Christ. Well, marriage matters to God because it's God's plan. But marriage matters to God also because it's a pledge or a covenant. I needed a P word, so I said pledge, and it's basically the same thing, so, but we're going to go with covenant here, okay? It, marriage is a covenant. If you'd open your Bibles and turn to Malachi chapter 2, verses 13 and 14, uh, <clears throat> we see God calling marriage a covenant in Malachi 2. He's confronting, he's, he's, he's talking to the people of Israel, he's not happy with them, 
uh, because they're sinning against God. They're not taking their relationship with God seriously. And so God is really confronting them in these two verses. Um, But I just want you to see what, what God calls marriage here in the scriptures. Malachi 2, verses 13 and 14. God says, this is another thing you do. You cover the altar of the Lord with tears, with weeping and with groaning, because he no longer regards the offering or accepts it with favor from your hand. Yet you say, for what reason? Because the Lord has been a witness between you and the wife of your youth, against whom you have dealt treacherously, though she is your companion and your wife by covenant. So God is calling marriage a covenant. The word covenant is used over 280 times in the Old Testament, which basically means a binding agreement. Uh, Over uh, vacation uh, in the summer, we were at Camp of the Woods, and uh, I went into their bookstore, and and I found a book. Uh, It's a great title of a book. It was called Marriage Matters um, by uh, Tony Evans. And while everybody else was on the beach, I was reading this book in the bookstore. I ended up buying it because I felt like I should. Um, But uh, here's what Tony Evans says about marriage and about uh, a covenant. He says this, the first facet of a covenant is a big theological word called transcendence. Transcendence simply means that God is in charge. Covenants are both initiated and ruled by God. He goes on to say, in order for a covenant, covenants to successfully function, carrying with it both the benefits and security that a covenant supplies, it has to be set up according to God's expectations and regulations. Covenants can never operate without the ongoing involvement of God. Biblical, spiritual, and theological covenants assume God's integration into every aspect of the covenantal relationship in order for that covenant to work. Isn't that great? A covenant is this idea that it belongs to God. God initiated the covenant. God created the covenant. God is the one who um, seals the covenant. It belongs to God. So, there are really uh, two things I, I want to just bring out uh, from this quote. And that the first thing is, as I, as I just mentioned, he initiates them. He's in charge of them. The marriage, is not, uh, is, the marriage covenant is not just between two people, but between two people in God. And I find it interesting because I, I believe that's why Jesus said in Matthew 19, 5 through 6, he said this, For this reason a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. Verse 6, Jesus says, so they are no longer two, but one flesh. What, what therefore God has joined together, let no man separate. What God has joined together. God is the initiator of the covenant. It's God's idea. And so a covenant, the my marriage, I've been married now for 31 years, and my marriage belongs to God. He initiated it. He created it. And to me, to be reminded of that truth, is very sobering because how I treat Susan, how I relate to her, um, I'm accountable because it's God's covenant. It belongs to him and he's the authority. I, I read a, <clears throat> a book a number of years ago and um, it, it was called The Joy of Fearing God by, by um, Jerry Bridges. Great book. <clears throat> And there is so much joy in fearing God. We, we are accountable to God. And, and that book, it, there, there's a healthy reverence and awe that we need to have for, for God and, and who we are before him. 
I, not, not in a shrinking away of, of fear that he's going to pound me. That's not the kind of fear I'm talking about. I'm, I'm accepted in Christ because of the blood of Jesus. And, and I'm fully accepted and he f- fully invites me to pray to him at any moment and to come before him with confidence because of who Christ is. But there's also a healthy fear, a reverence and awe. And to understand that God, my marriage, first and foremost belongs to God, is, is uh, encouraging and makes me feel accountable. <laughs> and it's, it's good stuff. The second truth that I want to bring out um, in, from the quote that uh, he, he says here, covenants can never operate without the ongoing involvement of God. Marriage was God's idea, and so I want to go to him and have him be intimately involved with my marriage because he knows how they're supposed to work. I remember something really encouraging that my father-in-law said before we were married. Uh, I didn't, I, I mean, I wanted to be a pastor. I didn't know if I was going to be able to be, but I w- we were Thanksgiving before we were, I think we might've been engaged. Yeah, I think we're engaged, sure. That, that sounds better. Um, we were engaged and um, someone asked me, so what are you gonna do? One of, one of the un- Susan's uncles, and I said, well, I'm hoping that I I'll be a, can be a youth pastor. He goes, oh, that, that's great. And um, Susan's dad piped up and he said, you know, I don't care what you do. Um, he said, just as long as the both of you seek the Lord and surrender your lives to him. Um, and, and, and that was so encouraging. Because God's, <clears throat> my marriage belongs to God. And his direct involvement is crucial. And, and that's what he says. Um, <clears throat> you know, I, uh, I've had several dangerous jobs in my life. And I don't want, I'm not saying that to impress you at all. I, I'm just saying it. And once you hear about them, you go, that's no big deal. But to me, they were dangerous. Uh, one was I was a youth pastor. Uh, but the other three were I was, um, I, when I was 16, 1981, I, I started working at a hardware store. And <clears throat> the, the hardware store owner said, hey, do you know how to cut pipe? I said, I have no idea. He goes, well, let me show you. And so he spent time with me showing me how to cut pipe, it, to cut it and then thread it. And because we sold we sold things. I mean, it, it was kind of, th- you, you got to know that I have no knowledge of anything hardware. I mean, people would come in, guys who are plumbers, who know exactly what they're doing, and I have no idea what a plumber does. Um, I just use the bathroom every day. And, and so uh, plumbers would come in and they would, they would say, uh, so, um, hey, I need, I need this joint, this uh, PVC pipe and everything. And so I'd take him to the PVC section, tons of pipe, and I would say, well, here, here's a section. And he goes, well, what do you think if I took this and, and I did and I'm just, yeah, I think, I think that would work. And, and he'd be going like this and then he'd have it all together and he'd go, hey, thanks so much for your help. I go, sure. I had no idea. But anyways, back to the pipe fitting thing. Um, it was, I, I needed someone to show me how to do it or it, it could be really dangerous. That, that thing was so sharp to cut the pipes. The other thing that I did was I made pliers and I... Uh, used a riveting machine eight hours a day. It, it was huge, and you had to press, press a pedal. Um, you know, stories were in that factory that some, some guy um, forgot to move his hand, and it, it, was, it was a riveting story. And, um, and so, uh, but you know, you, the, the danger of that riveting machine, you had to place it just right in the riveting machine. And, uh, and, but I needed to be trained on that. I needed someone who knew what they were doing. Um, the last thing is I pulled asbestos. <laughs> and um, you know, uh, in, in Chicago for only two weeks. 
But you had to know what you were doing there. You had to have a full suit. You had to have um, masks on and be totally covered. Um, but you had to be trained in that as well. Where am I going with this? Uh, you have no idea. Um, the, the idea is, is that um, here you, we're, we're in a marriage. And the creator of the marriage needs to be intimately involved with it and, and show us how to do this. Because it's so important that we go to the word of God, that we go and we pray together. And, and the one who initiated the covenant, the one who created, de designed it and defined it, we, we need to go to him. And if we're not regularly going to him, we'll find ourselves doing things poorly <laughs> because we go on our own, our own opinion, our own thoughts on how to do things. We desperately need God's intimate involvement. And there's a reality check to this. Without God at the center of our marriage uh, relationship, the devil is invited to wreak havoc in the home. Um, we can be so easily deceived. Our flesh is hostile towards God and doesn't even want to submit itself to the Word of God. We, we, we desperately need to be seeking God. Uh, Tony Evans asked this question. He said, isn't it interesting that Satan waited until Adam was married to attack? And uh, it's, there's a battle going on, and we desperately need to seek the one who designed marriage and who created it. So marriage matters to God because it's his plan. And marriage matters to God because it's a covenant. It's, it's his. It belongs to him. Um, matter, marriage matters to our culture uh, because it preserves and sustains our society. I got this also uh, from the Marriage Matters book uh, at the, in the introduction. He talks about this, uh, this place called the Brookings Institution. It's in Washington, D.C. It's the oldest think tank, and it focuses on areas of economics, governance, and development, among other things. And here's what the Brookings Institute found out about marriage. It says this, The Brookings findings discovered that roughly $229 billion in welfare expenses delivered from 1970 through 1996 were directly tied to the deterioration of the previously established institution of marriage, which, which in turn led to a dramatic increase in societal upheaval through the increase of single-parent homes, poverty, drug and alcohol abuse, domestic abuse, criminal activity, high school dropouts, and the incarceration rate went up. Families and the consequences attached to them touch every area of society. And, uh, and, and so it, it impacts culture. Uh, <clears throat> marriage matters to culture also because uh, we know that our culture doesn't think marriage is that important and, and actually in the process of wanting to, or already has in their minds, redefined marriage. Uh, we know what God defines marriage. Um, but <clears throat> So marriage matters to the culture because um, it's a picture of the gospel to a dying world. It's a, it's a beautiful picture. Um, I'm going to read from Ephesians chapter 5, if you'd open there uh, in your Bibles, Ephesians 5, 22 through 33. <clears throat> Ephesians 5, 22 through 23. Wives, be subject to your own husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, as Christ also is the head of the church, he himself being the Savior of the body. But as the church is subject to Christ, so also the wives ought to be to their husbands in everything. Husbands, love your wives, just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself up for her, so that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word, that he might present to himself the church in all her glory, 
having no spot or wrinkle or any, or any such thing, but that she would be holy and blameless. So husbands ought also to love their own wives as Christ, or wives as their own bodies. He who loves his own wife loves himself, for no one has ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it, just as Christ also does the church, because we are members of his body. For this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother and shall be joined to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. This mystery is great, but I'm speaking with reference to Christ and the church. Nonetheless, nevertheless, each individual among you also is to love his own wife, even as himself, as the, and the wife must see to it that she respects her husband. It's interesting that um, in verse 32, he says, this mystery is great. What's the mystery? The mystery is the gospel because marriage is a picture of the gospel and, and Christ's relationship with the church. Um, in the Bible, mystery doesn't refer to something unknowable, but rather something that will not be known to humans unless God chooses to pull back the curtains and reveal it. New Testament scholar Harold Honer clarifies it this way, a mystery is something which was hidden in God and which humans could not unravel by their own ingenuity or study, but is revealed by God for all believers to understand. We need God to show us what the mystery is. If you are here this morning and you have put your faith in Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, that you believe in Christ, who he is, and what he's done, you, you know what the mystery is. The mystery is great. We have the majority of our society and culture that doesn't know the mystery. And what is one way that they can see this amazing mystery? Is a husband and wife loving each other, a husband loving his wife as Christ loved the church, being unselfish, living out Philippians 2, considering her needs before his own. How, how can a dying world see uh, the mystery lived out is by a wife respecting her husband and building him up and, and never saying anything about him in a negative way around anybody else to tear him down. That is, the, in so many other ways, as, as love is lived out within a family and without, within a marriage. So the culture, it matters to the culture. They don't think it does, but we know the mystery. We know that Jesus died for us. We know that Jesus rose again for us and that we are in Christ and belong to him and we have a hope that we're, will be revealed. And <clears throat> the marriage relationship is a great opportunity to show the culture that same wonderful message about Jesus. <clears throat> so marriage matters to the culture because it preserves the culture, but also it is a picture to a dying world, the love of Christ. Our, our Christian marriages can be evangelistic then. Uh, we can be a reflection of the love and grace and forgiveness of Christ. So marriage matters to, to God because it belongs to Him and He defined it. Marriage matters to our culture because it preserves it and, it, and, and they desperately need it. Um, <clears throat> but it also matters to our church Marriage matters to our church because of progressive sanctification. Progressive sanctification. And <clears throat> what, is, what is that? It, it is the idea, you know, when, when God says, you know, be holy as I am holy. Or this idea that um, Romans eight twenty eight and 29, for we know that all things work together for good to those who love God and are called according to his purpose. That's verse 28. All things work together for good. Even our marriages work together for good. What is the good that, it's working, that God is working towards? Um, I believe the answer is in verse 29 where he says, for those whom he foreknew, he predestined to be conformed to the image of his son. The work that God's doing in each person who is a Christian is he's conforming them to the image of Jesus. 
What does that look like? I believe that's where the Holy Spirit comes in and He produces fruit in us that is the character qualities of Christ. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. That's what Jesus was like. And that's what the Holy Spirit wants to produce in us. And so He also wants to produce in us God's priorities, Christ's priorities. And we know what that is. Jesus said in Luke 19.10, I've come to seek and to save that which was lost. Matthew 4.19, come and I'll make you fishers of men. The priority of Jesus was that lost people would be found, that sinners would be forgiven and brought back to God and be reconciled to him. And so as marriage helps us with our progressive sanctification, but it can also help, we can help one another. As, as Susan and I are seeking the Lord together, um, and, and, and it's not perfect by any means, and that's not what I'm talking about. I'm not talking about seemingly having all things to, all together. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about broken people walking humbly with God in their marriages and then helping other marriages. Susan and I spent time uh, before we were married with a, a missionary couple from my church um, in Michigan, and uh, <clears throat> he's with the Lord now, and uh, but they just spent just a few times together and they were really encouraging. And just to see the love that they had for each other encouraged us before we embarked on our, on our marriage. And, and people walking with Christ in their marriages can be an encouragement to younger marriages or even to older marriages. And, um, and I believe that strong marriages can lead to strong families that can lead to strong local churches. And so it, marriage matters uh, to the church. Not only does it matter to the church, but it also matters to our children. Marriage matters to our children because, again, it's a picture of the gospel um, that we share with the next generation. <clears throat> our children have, get to have a front row view of the gospel in action. They get to see uh, forgiveness. They get to see their mom and dad uh, ask forgiveness from one another when they sin against each other. They get to see their dad um, ask forgiveness of the kids if their kids witnessed him saying something to his wife that maybe uh, wasn't very kind. They get to see the gospel. They get to see husbands and wives speaking the truth in love to one another. They get to see mom and dad trust Christ even in difficult times because he's in control and because he's good and because he's kind. <clears throat> they get to spend formal times in the Word together or informal times of talking about what the Bible is, is, is communicating. Uh, and, and so it is passing on this, uh, the, the, the gospel lived out in front of the children. So marriage matters to our children. <clears throat> uh, as I mentioned, the, the uh, Vern Bingston, uh, he wrote the book Faith and Families, How Religion is Passed Down Across Generations, mentioned that he studied uh, for 40 years with, with, with these families. It ended up being, he started with 350 people, and 40 years later, he ended up interviewing and, and working, researching with uh, 3,500 people from the same families. Uh, parents, grandparents, grandchildren, and great-grandchildren. Here's what he found. He found that um, faith was passed on, especially if the parents and then especially if the dad was warm and loving towards the kids. Isn't that interesting? That was the biggest factor for faith passing on to the next generation was um, the mom and dad being warm and loving, and especially the dad. It was just a little bit more higher on that graph. 
uh, that it meant more to the children that dad was that way. <clears throat> so faith it, uh, or marriage matters to the children. We know this to be true in, in, because of Psalm 78, 4 through 7. I'll read that to you. We will not conceal them from their children, but tell to the generation to come the praises of, of the Lord and his strength and his wondrous works that he has done. For he established a testimony in Jacob and appointed a law in Israel, which he commanded our fathers that they should teach them to their children, that the generation to come might know, even the children yet to be born, that they may arise and tell them to their children, that they should put their confidence in God and not forget the works of God, but keep his commandments. Um, it is this passing on of the praises of the Lord. The amazing things that he's done. Uh, and, and, and spending time in the word of God. And <clears throat> I know I've mentioned this before, but I want to say it again. And, and that is, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm encouraged and I'm, I'm amazed to think of it this way. That when I spend time with Benjamin and we talk about the Bible and we talk about what God's doing in our lives, um, I'm impacting whoever his kids are going to be. <laughs> I don't even know them yet. I'm sure they'll be cute. But I don't know them. But I'm impacting them. Uh, to me, that's real life now with my other three older children who have kids. Um, and now when I talk to my granddaughter, Olivia, um, if she's not running around the room, if I just get one second, at least right this time in her life, um, I could be impacting her children. What? I mean, that's what it says here. Even children yet to be born. Marriage, marriage matters because it's a picture of the gospel. Well, marriage matters to God because he created it, he defined it, he initiated it, he wants us to be involved in it, and it belongs to him. Marriage matters to our culture because they can see the gospel lived out in our marriages. Marriage matters to the church because we help disciple one another through our Christ-centered marriages. And marriage matters to our children because they can see Christ's love through loving moms and dads. And uh, finally, I just want to say that marriage matters to all Christians. Marriage matters to all Christians. And here's just three things that I just want to share. Uh, um, and just if you ask the Holy Spirit to say, how, how would I apply this and how could marriage matter um, to me? Even if I'm not married, what, what does this mean? <clears throat> uh, Hebrews 13.4 says this, Marriage is to be held in honor among all, and the marriage bed is to be undefiled. For fornicators and adulterers God will judge. <clears throat> it's interesting when I have some great software called Logos Bible Software. It does all the work. I should have just put my computer up here and let you see it. It was, it was good. Um, but <clears throat> the word marriage is, is a covenantal relationship between a man and a woman and God. It's to be held in honor. The word honor is meaning to be considered precious, highly valued, very dear to our hearts. But among all, everybody, those who are married and those who are not married. Well, then how does someone who's not married, how, how can we hold that in honor? Well, one, one, my first thought on that is, is, is how important it is to walk in purity. Because we know that the physical or the, the, the sexual relationship is only reserved for marriage. God, God has already said that. He's defined it. He says that's where it belongs. And so <clears throat> as, as someone who could be 
waiting to be married or someone, you know, there's, there's no formula. It's just trusting the Lord and walking with him and, and, and see where, how he leads your path. But <clears throat> just taking seriously this idea of sexual purity because it, out of the context, it, it, it should be shocking. You know, it, um, I was sharing last night that uh, my uh, children got me a Lowe's gift card for... Uh, for Christmas, or for both of us actually, sorry. Um, got us a Lowe's gift card, and um, $100 gift card, very nice. And I went to Lowe's, and I needed a splitting axe that my sons can use to split wood. Um, and so um, I'm, I'm carrying this uh, axe with me around Lowe's, and it's huge. And, uh, and, I'm, uh, <clears throat> and I'm thinking, okay, I called Susan, I said, hey, uh, there's $36 on this card, do you mind if I spend it? She said, no, go ahead. I thought that was great. So. I'm, I'm walking around Lowe's, and it, what was funny was, you know, I started to think about it. I started to think, I'm carrying an axe around the store, um, but it was fine. I mean, nobody looked at me. I wasn't getting stares. I, I didn't hear, hey, tackle that guy. He's got an axe. Um, but, you know, I checked out, and um, the woman at the checkout said, uh, you're buying a weapon. I said, I guess I am, and uh, against wood, um, but... Uh, <clears throat> You know, and, I, and I, I was thinking about that. What, what if I went to the bank with that and just walked into the bank? Um, out of context, you know? That'd be shocking. It'd be not the place to do that. And, and as I think about how uh, passionate God is about marriage and how passionate he is about the one flesh relationship, as, as a person, how do I honor marriage? It is by remaining sexually pure until, until you are married. Um, but that just doesn't refer to people who aren't married. You know, we, we can be in a marriage relationship and, and still be impure. We can still do things we, we shouldn't do. I know that pornography can be such a, a, a difficult problem, a, a, a real issue in marriages. And, and God is saying, uh, honor your marriage. Don't defile it. Don't let that stuff creep in and become enslaved to things that are going to defile and, and, be, and, and make things so hard. Um, and, and the wonderful thing is, if, if people, men or women, are struggling with that, uh, God can deliver, and God forgives, and God cleanses, and God loves and accepts still in all of that. But I'm just saying uh, that we, we don't want that, that doesn't honor uh, what God has defined, what God has created, and what God has initiated. And so walking in purity. Uh, <clears throat> The other thing is, I want to say, is uh, another way that we can honor marriage is, is focusing on our position in Christ. Uh, that that uh, married couples can study the Word of God together and grow in their relationship in Christ and understanding uh, what it means uh, to be in Him and that our position, that we're fully accepted and, and we can continue to encourage and grow in Christ in, in that way. But then also, um, for those who are not married or, or waiting to be married or whatever station in life you're in, that focus on your position in Christ and, and your relationship with him because he is intimately acquainted with all your ways and he's with you. God is near and the nearness of God's um, Psalm 73, 28 is for our good and, and, and focusing on your relationship with him and trusting him and, and where he's leading you. And then the last thing I just want to mention um, uh, so we have walking in purity, focusing on your position in Christ, and, and another way that you can, and you, you can um, honor marriage 
is pray for marriages. Pray for marriages here at Fellowship Bible Church. Pray for your parents' marriage. We have an idea card out there for children and youth, um, and it is, uh, I would encourage the kids to go out and get it, or you can go get it for your kids, and, and that is, it just has questions. It's a sit-down time designed to be a sit-down time as a family, and the kids ask questions of the parents and their marriage. How'd you meet? All the different things. How did you propose? All that. And you know what? If you, if you know it already, just go through it. And, uh, <clears throat> and, and so they, they ask these 10 questions, and then there are a few suggested prayer requests for the parents' marriage, but then it gives the opportunity for the parents to share a few requests for the kids, and then they can take it with them and then pray regularly for their parents' marriage. And, and just raising the value and understanding of, of marriage in, in the kids' hearts. Um, there's, uh, there's also a, a, a prayer idea card for marriages in the Home Center for, for, for everybody who... Um, just 10 different ways with the scriptures next to them. Um, scriptural prayers to pray uh, for marriages uh, that you know of, your friend's marriage, marriages here at FBC, um, um, praying for your grandparents' marriage. But uh, be, be someone who, who prays for marriage. And, and, I, and I guess I just appeal to um, that it so matters to God. And it's supposed to so matter to all of us that we would, that we would pray for, for marriages. And... Um, and so I'm excited about uh, this next 120-day focus, that marriage matters, and it matters to everybody. Um, one of the things that we're wanting to do, we have a, a question box out there that you'll see next to the Marriage Matters section in the Home Center, and we are just want to encourage people, if you have a question about marriage, to put that in there, and at the end, in April sometime, we're going to have a panel discussion up here with some people answering those questions, Okay. And uh, I want to encourage you to do that. And I want you to know that uh, John Morrison will be talking next week, if it doesn't snow, uh, about the foundations of marriage, the pillars of marriage, and the blueprint um, of, of marriage. And then the, the next week, in two weeks, Dennis McNutt will be talking about um, how to strengthen your marriage. And he's going to be specifically taking this packet, and there's, you'll, you'll, you'll see if you get, pick up this packet today for married couples, there's eight date nights in here getting together and just ways to strengthen your marriage. And Dennis is going to be unpacking this packet in, in a couple weeks, and so we're looking forward to that. And so I'm going to ask Phil if he'll come up and, and uh, close us in, in prayer. Well, considering all this, let's uh, turn to the Lord in prayer. Heavenly Father, we, we have heard that marriage is important to you, and, and uh, we who are sometimes beguiled by the deceiver, Satan, who recognize that on our own power, especially in our own merit, we cannot uh, begin to approach the joy and the unity that you have for us when you're there bringing us together when you're at the center of the marriage, when you're the, the, binding, the binding ingredient that allows us to live our life in you. Yes, it, matter, it matters, Lord, I know. It matters to the, our culture, which we, we suffer the impact. And so, Lord, I pray that we will have as much of a concern for others' marriages as for our own, and recognizing that we would have to in all cases, get the log out of our own eye before we try to find the speck in, in uh, other marriages' uh, eyes. 
And Lord, we just uh, we realize that this is, this is our way of sharing the good news to a new generation. And, and in doing so, Lord, I, I just thank you for, for the uh, promised outcome that uh, your, your gospel will, uh, will work in the lives of others, that we will see our, our youth coming to Christ and generations, I guess we'll see them from uh, our presence with you as, as we watch other generations coming to you that we don't even know exist. Lord, just, uh, I, I just pray for each person here, who, including myself, will take seriously this call that we'll pray for all those who we know are married within our families and within our church, and within our culture. It's a great need. And bless the preaching of your word and, uh, and the way that it would change our hearts. And uh, thank you for all of this. In Jesus' name, amen.